33 minutes past the hour. Texas Standard Time, I'm David Brown. It is great to have you with us. Happy birthday, Houston. Do you copy? This week back in 1958, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, or NASA, officially became operational. Now, when we think of NASA, I suppose we often think of the tailored mythology of the astronaut as American space adventurer exploring the frontiers beyond the clouds. But in fact, the idea was launched, you might say, as President Dwight D. Eisenhower mulled over options for keeping hostilities with the Soviets from becoming a third world war. But as Eric Berger, senior space editor at Ars Technica, writes, this anniversary serves as a reminder that we can thank then-Vice President Richard Nixon for NASA. How so? Eric Berger joins us now. Thanks so much for joining us on The Standard. Well, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. What role did uh, Nixon play in shaping the mission of the space program? Well, after uh, the, the Soviet Union launched Sputnik in 1957, the U.S. was trying to figure out how to respond. And the real question was whether it should be led by the military or led by some civilian space agency um, that didn't yet exist. And so it came down to President Eisenhower calling a meeting in February of 1958, and the vice president was there. And the president was leaning toward a military-led action. That was his background. Mm -hmm. um, the military, the Army and Navy had missile programs already underway. And it was actually Nixon and the president's then new science advisor, a guy named James Killian, who said, wait, 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 no. Let's think about this. Let's, let's, let's say if we're trying to win the hearts and minds not only of Americans but people around the world, it would be a nice contrast um, for the United States to have a program kind of out in the open, you know, non-military, peaceful purposes using space. And so you would have the Soviet clandestine military program in the United States with kind of what became NASA. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating to imagine Nixon making that argument, especially when you consider his reputation over the years, certainly uh, during and after his presidency, he was seen as someone who was uh, anything but transparent. But here he is in 1958 making the case for a NASA that, uh, while retaining its military options, I suppose, and its applications, nonetheless is, uh, is trying to present itself as being open and for the good of, of all mankind. Yeah, I think, you know, for all of his personal flaws, and, and Nixon certainly had many in, in his presidency, came to an ignominious end. I, I think, you know, his, his political instincts are, are pretty good. And, and here he saw, you know, an opportunity because if you think about, you know, put yourself in the United States position back in the 1950s and early 1960s, the country was behind the Russians in space. Mm -hmm. You know, they were doing all of the interesting things. And so this was a way to differentiate the United States and, and sort of put it back on a certain level above the Soviet Union, at least in terms of morals. Well, now, you say uh, in your piece for Ars Technica that uh, this argument uh, about having NASA as a, as a kind of uh, fixture to benefit uh, everyone is coming back into focus now. How so? Well, you know, there are some real questions about where NASA goes this century because the military was not particularly happy in the 1950s and, and hasn't been since that, that the civil agency came in and, and took over human spaceflight. Um, so they're, they're kind of encroaching on NASA, and you've got commercial activities like SpaceX, and, and they're doing interesting things. They're encroaching on NASA. And so there's, there's a real question of what the space agency should do in the coming decades. But, you know, the fact of the matter is, that 
no one else really lands probes on Mars. No one else sends spacecraft to the outer solar system. No one has flown by Pluto. All these kinds of interesting things. And so, you know, NASA still has a, a future in, in exploration. Um, it's just, it's, it's got some issues both from the military interest and, and then on the commercial side well, to deal with. Well, I'll say, I mean, you think about President Trump's proposal for a space force, for example. How does that square with NASA and its, say, next 60 years? That's a great question. I think that's something that, you know, will have to be, you know, worked through um, in, in coming years. NASA, you know, technically has nothing to do with the space force. It's, just, it's an Air Force reorganization, that sort of thing. But... Out of that, you could see Air Force astronauts at some point um, and kind of an erosion of NASA's primacy as the center for putting Americans into space. But presumably NASA would uh, retain its, uh, its mantle as the civilian space program doing science and research in the open while the Space Force takes on a military mission? Yeah, that, that would be the idea, certainly. Eric Berger is senior space editor at Ars Technica. We're going to have a link to his latest at texasstandard.org. And it's a fascinating history of how NASA came to be the organization that we think of it today. Of course, a fixture here in Texas and along the so-called Space Coast. Eric, thanks so much for speaking with us on the Texas Standard. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.